Have you struggled to get everything done? Have you looked for every trick to be more productive? How much do you really understand about how productivity really works? This is Crushing the Clock, a podcast where we explore the nature of productivity so you can actually get back your time and energy, making a difference in both your personal and professional lives. Welcome to Crushing the Clock. My name is Joshua Rivers, and today we are going to look at how we can be able to manage our stress from an Army veteran. We have today joining us Brent Magnuson, and this is actually an interview I did for my other podcast, Success Road. And actually, if you are interested in this podcast, that podcast will probably be pretty interesting for you as well. And so I'm not publishing any new episodes over there, but there are well over 100 episodes there that relate to a lot of things to productivity, but also to habits and other things related to success in your professional life, but also your personal life. And so you can check that out at joshuarivers.net or you can go to successroadpodcast.com and you can be able to check out some more podcast over there as well. But today on the episode, we're going to be talking to Brent Magnuson. He's an avid practitioner of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, an accomplished cook, a speaker, and he's also the author of the book Roger Up, The Mission Ready Blueprint to Crush the Morning, Own Your Day, and Be the Best Version of You. So he's also one of the board members of the Brazilian Warrior Foundation, which serves the United States veterans and first responders who suffer from post-traumatic stress. This organization provides scholarships to study the art of Brazilian jiu-jitsu in the academy of their choice anywhere in the United States. And so he is a veteran and he's also an active practitioner of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And you'll see how the Brazilian jiu-jitsu can be a benefit for you in stressful situations. So if you want to lower your stress, that can be able to help you. And I never really thought of that, but he helps be able to share how that works, not just for us, but for uh, veterans that suffer from PTSD. And so definitely want to listen to this and we'll get into some different things as far as like establishing a morning routine and a lot of real life examples as well. So Let's jump into the conversation that I had with Brent Magnuson. First and foremost, really appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to talk to your listening audience, learn more about you. So thanks again. Yeah, so PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. We usually say just PTS, post-traumatic stress, the disorders. Uh, some people don't like that. And uh, But anyways, in regards to what I and uh, some of us are doing with PTSD, I am uh, one of the board members of the Resilient Warrior Foundation. And what we are is a 501c3 organization that serves United States veterans and first responders who suffer from PTS that they acquired during their service to this fantastic country. And what we do is we provide scholarships to them to study the art of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in the academy of their choice anywhere in the United States. Uh, right now, we've got people training in Idaho. We've got people in Texas. We've got a guy in Montana. We've got Indiana, Illinois. And we're just growing every month. 
and it's a fantastic thing. And as a veteran and as an avid practitioner of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I'm passionate about both. So there's probably not a, a an organization that was more tailor-made for me and, and my beliefs. And very quickly, there's scientific studies underway right now, and there are several papers actually published that have examined and are currently examining Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as a complementary treatment to some of the conventional therapies you get with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so how does Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu help with that? I'm curious. Yeah, and it's a good question, and it's a question I get often because although Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is incredibly popular, the vast majority of the population isn't practicing it. So many people don't even know what it is. So a very quick 30-second, 30,000-foot view, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a ground fighting system. In the early 1920s, a Japanese man came over to Brazil and taught the Gracie family his version of Japanese Jiu-Jitsu. The Gracies were small men by stature, maybe five foot six, 140 pounds, uh, smaller men, and they were not able to effectively use this martial art that was more based on athleticism and strength and just physical prowess than anything else. So they decided to dedicate their lives. Carlos and Elio Gracie decided that they were going to take this martial art and make it not just effective, but applicable to smaller people in the event that they were attacked by a larger person. And what they did is they focused specifically on the technique instead of strength. They focused on leverage opposed to just pure athleticism. And what they found was with joint manipulations and just using leverage and technique, they were able to overcome a more powerful opponent. It's applicable to women, children, men, 16 years old, 60 years old, six years old, doesn't matter. So fast forward, what does Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu do for veterans and first responders? But I'll speak specifically to veterans since the vast majority of the people we have right now are veterans. And I'm a veteran too, so I speak from that perspective. In the military, you really learn how to manage stress. You're constantly put under high stress situations from the first day you get to basic training. It's nine weeks of high stress for a Marine. 12 weeks of Marine boot camp is high stress. You've got some lunatics screaming at you at four in the morning to get up and do a bunch of push-ups, and they're spraying you with hoses and whatever else, not to mention the verbal assault you take for a couple of months. So you very quickly learn how to deal with stress. Fast forward, you've done four years, eight years, 20 years, you're out of the military, and you're not in that consistently managing stress type of lifestyle. And after the military, a lot of us, especially people that have been deployed and have been to war and have had traumas of any nature, have trouble coping with that because that same structure, that same framework that was in the military is not there. That rapid decline happens. And what jujitsu does is by going in and training you're being put back in those very stressful situations, especially if you're a smaller guy or gal, say you're five foot six, 140 pounds like Elio and Carlos Gracie, and you've got some 200 pound gorilla on top of you, sweating into your eyes, trying to strangle you. And by using those techniques, staying calm, cool, collected under pressure and using leverage, you're able to not just escape from that situation and get out of there, but potentially reverse the situation and be offensive in the fight against that person. And what that does is that reinforces and it it allows the veteran to relearn how to manage stress. I mean, the process of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu forces bonding and camaraderie. And camaraderie is the number one word you'll hear associated with veterans. And in turn, that eases stress and anxiety and, and trust issues. And it allows you to 
just become more used to these hard situations that in part transfer over to the real world. When you go through hard situations, you learn how to manage them. It transfers over into your work life, into your relationships, into everything you do. And you become a better person. You get your confidence back. You know, with jujitsu, we forget that you're trusting your training partner really with your life and your limbs. And I just think that the more people that train jujitsu, my nine-year-old stepdaughter trains, it's an amazing art. And I'm sorry I got so long-winded, but it's important to get all the information out there, especially for those that, that don't know what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love that. I love that. I love the detail that you went into because I, I really had no idea. I've heard of Brazilian jujitsu, and my son took Taekwondo for a number of years, almost got his second degree black belt, but then we moved and we didn't have a place close enough to be able to do that continue but but anyway that place they he was doing the taekwondo then they started adding the brazilian jiu-jitsu that was like maybe about six months to a year or something like that before we left there and so i heard about it but i didn't actually get to learn anything about it so that's that's really helpful and i think it could be helpful for even just the average person as well to be able to learn a lot of those things you're spot on and good on that taekwondo school for implementing jujitsu. And a lot of the Taekwondo, Hapkido, Kenpo Karate, your traditional karate or Kung Fu schools are having to add Brazilian jujitsu because basically in, in up until 1993, November of 1993, the question was consistently and constantly asked throughout the ages, who would win if a boxer fought a karate guy or if a wrestler fought a Kung Fu guy or if a Taekwondo guy fought this guy, who would win? And for Ever and ever, there were all these theories. Well, in November of 1993, the first Ultimate Fighting Championship, Hoist Gracie, representing the Gracie family, at six foot one and 170 pounds, looking more like a part time accountant than a no holds barred fighter, went in without throwing any punches and strangled everyone. And from that day on, we have known not only what the most effective form of self defense is, but what the most effective form of fighting is. But as athletes evolve as the martial arts evolve, there are certain styles that do well in in combat sports. But there's one known fact throughout the world of fighting. And that is if you don't have at least a decent amount of Brazilian jiu-jitsu in your arsenal, you're going to go nowhere. Now, transfer that over to the regular world, just us normal folks, us normal civilians that aren't professional fighters, that aren't competing in Brazilian jiu-jitsu at at various levels. Mm -hmm. And look at someone like my daughter, who's a smaller person. She's nine years old. And when she gets older, she's going to be a smaller person. You know, her mom's five foot tall. I don't think Emma's going to be much over five foot four or five foot five, 105 pounds. And God forbid someone, some guy tries to attack her or hurt her. She's going to know exactly what to do when she's on her back and having to deal with an aggressive person. She's going to know what to do even before that happens throughout her school life when a bully confronts her. She's going to know how to use her words first because she's going to have that extreme confidence that if it does get physical, it doesn't matter if Billy or Tommy is twice her size, she's prepared and she's going to know what to do. And it's so important for kids, especially with, you know, we have an epidemic in coronavirus, but there's also an epidemic in bully and it's real. And it's not just on the playground at school when Tommy's trying to take your lunch money at recess. It's in grade school. It's in junior high. It's in high school and college. It's in the workplace. It's in the military. It's in politics. It's in the mainstream media. Bullies are everywhere. And knowing how to deal with them is one of the most effective tools that you can have essentially in your 
tool belt of life, if you will. Yeah, jujitsu is really important. Yeah, I think there's a lot in there that I wasn't even really necessarily expecting for this conversation, but I think that that works really well with a lot of different things. And so you talked about confidence and how that can really change the way that you approach a situation. And you're mentioning about Brazilian jiu-jitsu being able to help do that. Are there other things that you've experienced that help with being able to build confidence like that so that when we come into whatever um, confrontational situations or maybe we're just facing, okay, what college do I need to go to or my next career or however, but we need confidence for those situations. And so what have you experienced other than Brazilian jiu-jitsu that would be able to help with that also? It's an important question. I think obviously jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is a big part of that. Also some things I took from the military. I think the two biggest things are super effective morning routines slash discipline and doing that every day consistently. And then just exhaustive, obsessive training. I mean, you fight the way you train. The average professional boxer that goes into a 12-round fight, 12 three-minute rounds, has prepared for that over 12 weeks. He's essentially dedicated one week of training to each possible three-minute round round he'll have to fight. And it's the same thing in the military. Before we deploy, we train obsessively. We train for every possible contingency. And even though (laughs) the vast majority of the time being deployed and and being in bad situations, there's no real black and white. It's usually just complete chaos and it's that gray area. But because you're so well prepared, even when the proverbial shit hits the fan and, and you don't think you have much control, that training takes over, that muscle memory takes over. So transfer that into the civilian world. If you're consistently hitting your morning routine every day, and you have an absolute battle plan for life, and you know the first 30 minutes of the day to a T what you're doing. You know what you're doing the second you open your eyes for the first 30 minutes of the day, and you do that every week, every month. And after a while, it gets so consistent and so ingrained in your head, and you're so disciplined with that, that counts for something. And it shows because you're so regimented. Like I said, also the, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with confidence and, and then that obsessive training. We talk a lot about in the book, some different things with confidence. And it really is a deal breaker, whether you're in the dating world or you're on a job interview, it all comes down to how prepared are you? Just like how prepared are you for combat and war? And when you go into that job interview, you, you're dressed to the nines, but you remembered all the things because it's repetition, 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 just like training for a deployment. You know you're going to have a good solid handshake. Well, maybe not during coronavirus, but you know you're going to make good eye contact. You know you're going to have a three-quarter to a half-quarter smile. You know you're going to have good posture. You know you're going to let them talk more than you. You're going to observe the 70-30 rule. You're going to answer questions clearly. And and, and it's all these things. And it's the same thing with dating. And it's the same thing with – with a lot of things we do in life, having that confidence because you're so prepared. It could be the difference between getting that pretty girl or getting that handsome guy. It could be the difference between getting the job and not getting the job. That confidence is so important. Yeah, absolutely. You, you talked about like a morning routine there. Can you go in a little bit more as to what that might actually be able to look like? Obviously, there's a lot of things that are out there that talk about morning routine, but I'm, I'm very curious about 
what that is for you and how you would encourage other people to do it. Yeah. And like you said, there are morning routines are like coconuts on trees. They're everywhere. <laughs> and there are some crazy ones out there. They, people got you taking milk baths and meditating for three hours and journaling for another two hours. And by the time you turn around, it's three o'clock in the afternoon and you're still doing your flipping morning routine when you got up at six. At the end of the day, I think it needs to be very shock and awe. It needs to be super clean, super quick, super effective. The idea of a three or a four hour morning routine is nuts to me. I mean, God bless you. If, if it works for you, keep doing it. But for the vast majority of people that have busy lives, families, kids, jobs, whatever else, the idea of a three or a four hour morning routine is just nonsense and crazy. So I took from what was effective for me. And then I was fortunate to have some contributions in the book from people that I respect. Um, Tony Robbins, Jocko Willink, Mel Robbins, Grant Cardone, Tim Ferriss, the great Napoleon Hill, who's not alive anymore, Brian Tracy, who's a, a goal-setting mentor of mine. And I took from all their morning routines. And, and there were a lot of consistencies I found in all these super, super high performers. So the morning routine I came up with is the 0530 blueprint. I get up at 530. That's what time I get up. It doesn't mean that's what time you have to get up. But as long as it's the same time every morning, it's non-negotiable. Throw the alarm clock out. And if you do have one, keep it, but throw the snooze button and the idea of the snooze button out. The snooze button is hurting more people than COVID and negativity combined. That snooze button is the most dangerous flipping thing in your house. Hmm. So get rid of it. Don't use it anymore. It's killing people. And what I do is I wake up and the first thing I do after I open my eyes, before I get out of bed is smile. Um, I picked this up about six years ago and it sounds like the, the cheesiest, silliest thing, especially when people hear about my morning routine and they think, oh, here's this jujitsu guy and this army guy and it's going to be, you know, very militant and, you know, get up and do a hundred pushups for anything else. And I'm smiling because a few reasons, and I'll be very brief with this. One, I'm smiling because it's tricking my psychology and it's tricking my body. I might've had the worst day or the worst night's sleep prior, but right now I'm smiling and my body and my mind are thinking, okay, I don't know why we're smiling. We just woke up, but something positive must be happening. So let's get out of bed. So after I smile for about 15 seconds, I get up and I make the bed. I make the bed as if I'm still in basic training and it's task number one completed. And that's the thing, you know, we used to scream in basic training. We get more done before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. We would scream that proudly. And I understood it was a brainwashing process. I understood I was drinking the Kool-Aid, if you will, by the gallon, but it reinforced that productivity. It reinforced that effectiveness that we had every morning. So after I make the bed, I can check that up in my head. Boom, that's one task completed. Then I drink 16 ounces of room temperature water. I rehydrate my body that hasn't had any fluids in six, eight, nine hours. Boom, task number two. Then I'll do some quick diaphragm breathing and I usually go for a walk. Uh, here in Chicago, it's getting a little chillier, so it's getting challenging and I'm having to really uh, layer up to get out in 30 degree weather and <laughs> go for a couple mile walk. But uh, yeah, those are the basic things I do. And then I, I have a warm shower and I switch that to cold shower. I'm a big cold shower guy. But that first, you know, five to 15 minutes is, it's non-negotiable, Josh. It's treated like war. It cannot change. If the house is on fire, I'm still going to get up and smile for 15 seconds. Hmm. You'd be amazed. And I, when I when I go out and speak, which I haven't been doing much lately, but 
for your listening audience, if anyone is currently booking professional speakers uh, in any capacity, you can check me out at Eagle Rise Speaker Bureau, certainly taking engagements right now. Sorry, Josh, that was a selfless little plug. (laughs) When I go out and talk and I go out and and do speeches and stuff, it's funny because I'll ask people, you know, by show of hands, whether it's 50 people or 250 people in the audience, how many people here woke up this morning or just any morning? When's the last time you woke up and smiled before you did anything? And you might get one hand raised. And these people that go back and try it, it's so funny because I I humbly think there's so much amazing content in this book that I spent almost three years researching and writing and getting great contributions from super happy, successful people. And one of the biggest things I get is the smiling in the morning and how it changes your your whole psychology, your whole physiology. It's crazy. So... Yeah. Try it tomorrow and I won't get weirded out if I know you're thinking about me in bed at 530 in the morning. (laughs) Well, that's excellent. I really like that. And interestingly, just yesterday in a Slack group with one of my clients, we have a channel that's for self-care. And so Mm -hmm. we'll just, people just periodically check on each other. Okay. What did you have for lunch? And did you get this done or this done or whatever? And yesterday was the topic is water. And and so it's like, oh, have, have you had your water yet today or how much water have you drank? And so I can't remember the way the question was phrased or how it got brought up, but it led into a discussion. And that has been something that I've done a lot of is I make sure I drink a lot of water. And so for me, it stems back to I worked in a factory for a long time. And in Oklahoma, it gets hot in the summer, just, just oh, yeah. a little bit. And uh, <laughs> it's not uncommon to get over 100 degrees and have like... 30, 40 day stretches or whatever, over hundred degrees. And then when you get into a factory, it's like 20, 30 degrees hotter than that. So anyway, so I was working this factory in the middle of the summer. Um, and I was, I kept having problems with, with the heat. And there was one time that I actually passed out. There was another time I had um, some heat exhaustion where I started going dizzy and started seeing colors and stuff like that. And and so ever since that point, I started making myself drink water. And so I drink usually quite a bit of water. I've done that just because I experienced that. And I'm like, I don't want to experience that again. I don't like that feeling. That's obviously one good thing. But you mentioned there that one of the first things you do in that morning routine is drink water. So what is water to you and why is it important for you? Oh man, there's a whole subchapter on on water in the book and it's it's so important. And the reason I drink room temperature water in the morning, and even though I'm very big on shocking the system and within that first 30 minutes is an ice cold shower. And the reason I take the ice cold shower most importantly is because it absolutely sucks. <laughs> and I have done something in the first 30 minutes of my day that 90 plus percent of my competition has not. And because I'm doing harder things, I'm going to be a harder guy the rest of the day. And I look at things competitively. That cold shower, especially in Chicago, when it's 32 degrees when you wake up outside and you're all toasty under those covers and you got to get up and do your thing and you know that cold shower is coming and you know it's going to suck, you're a better person after it. It's amazing. But getting back to water, I know people that don't drink any water. I know people that, that just drink coffee and Mountain Dew and beer or wine. And I mean, I've literally been around people, especially when I, about a year, year and a half ago, when I was really 
you know, each chapter of the book kind of took on its own life. And whether it was goals, I got obsessed with goals and had people doing goal setting challenges with me and for me. And then the water thing, I was, you know, researching obsessively all the water stuff and I would watch people. There were people I would spend the vast majority of an entire day with that I never saw drink water. They'd have two or three sodas. They'd have some juice. They'd have some coffee. They'd have uh, a couple beers at night, but no water. And I don't know if there's anything out there. And again, I am not a, a dietitian. I am not a licensed nutritionist. And I'm certainly not a physician, but I don't know anything out there on a consistent basis more healthy for you than drinking lots of water. And for me personally, I'm a, a gallon of water a day guy. And, um, and that's just, again, kind of like the morning routine. It's, it's non-negotiable and your body needs it. And, and, the reason I do the warm water in the morning is because as much as I love shocking the system with the cold shower, your insides, your intestines, and your, your whole digestive system, if you will, is actually quite sensitive. And it hasn't had water the whole time you were sleeping for six hours, eight hours, maybe 10 hours, depending on how long you sleep. And that is the one thing I don't want to shock because it's actually quite sensitive Think of your regular body, your physiology, which you can shock with cold water. Think of that as like a hardened army veteran. And your digestive system is like your modern day snowflake. It's very sensitive. You don't want to say the wrong things. And that's why we go the warm water route or the room temperature water route, not to throw anything off and kind of ease that digestive system into the day. But yeah, man, it's great that you're drinking more water. It's great that you mention water because. I mean, people want to talk about, especially with this being a, a personal development book, Josh, people want to talk about all the sexy stuff. Like there's a chapter in the book called Becoming Jason Bourne. So a lot of guys want to talk about <laughs> that. A lot of guys want to talk about jujitsu or they want to talk about all the army stuff or, or whatever. Drinking water isn't a sexy topic. Goal setting isn't a sexy topic. So I appreciate you touching on all the non-sexy things because in all actuality, they're probably the most important things. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of that, you also mentioned about Jedi vision. And so that really <laughs> caught my attention too. But, uh, but anyway, so there, there's a lot of really, really good things that I could see in this book that would be very helpful for people to be able to really delve into. But we don't have time to be able to cover all that in this podcast. So where can people be able to get the book? if they would like to get that. Absolutely. I appreciate you asking. So right now the book is available on Amazon. You can get the ebook or the paperback. Amazon's the spot right now. All right. Well, I'll make sure to have a link to that in the show notes. Is there anything else that you wanted to add that we haven't already talked about that you think is important to be able to get across to people? I'll just add the one thing that I've been talking about or Probably more a better description would be very Mussolini-like screaming from the balcony. So these are some really challenging times that we're in. And you hear that all the time. We're in a political season. We're in a current pandemic with coronavirus. And there's just a lot of stuff going on, not just here in the United States, but all over the world. And the harsh reality is, is there's always going to be something going on. So right now, if you're listening to this, and you're going to get the book. That's great. There's a ton of stuff in there. I promise it's the best return on a $9.97 investment you'll have all year. But if you just need something right now to take with you and take action, here it is. Stop worrying about the shit that you can't control. 
So many of us focus on so many of these external things, the mainstream media, coronavirus, who's going to be president, what Kim and Khloe Kardashian are up to, who's on this show, who's on that show, what's on Netflix. We can't control any of that. So I think if we get a more specific niche mindset in, okay, you know what I'm going to do for the whole month of November? I'm going to focus on the very few things that I can control. I can control what time I get up in the morning. I can control the standards I have for myself, and I can control my discipline. And in turn, you control all the decisions you make. So focus on what you actually can control. You cannot control who's in the White House, regardless of how important you think your vote is. You cannot control coronavirus and when it's going to hit and when it's going to go away. You can control your decisions. You can control what you read and you can control who you surround yourself with. And if you're surrounding yourself with people right now that are not pushing you to be the best version of you, you need to start surrounding yourself with new people. Start surrounding yourself with people that have what you want and are doing the things you want to do at the highest level, and your life will change so flipping fast, it'll be like magic. I promise you. Hmm. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you for taking the time to be with us today and sharing all of the all of the knowledge and all of your experience and things like that. I think it was very, very impactful. And I definitely am looking forward to reviewing over this myself again as well. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you, man. I appreciate your uh, listening audience and uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. What would be the best way for someone to be able to get a hold of you if they would like to find out more about you specifically? Yeah, if you have any questions, uh, obviously the book you can get on Amazon. If you have any questions or you're interested in hiring me to speak, uh, you can check me out at Eagle Rise Speakers Bureau. And uh, if you're just looking to chat, you can hit me up on Facebook at Brent Magnuson. Or if you want to be a little more confidential, you can just send me an email at brentmagnuson at gmail.com. Make sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast in your podcast player of choice so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions or comments or you want more productivity resources, visit crushingtheclock.com. I would love to hear from you. And I'll catch you on the next episode of Crushing the Clock.